Pastor Xavier Reese, acknowledging that God is the potter and we the clay. Chronicles puts the emphasis and the focus upon God doing the work, not man. And that's the emphasis always for the believer, what God has done for us in Christ, not what we can do for God. Whenever you start putting a greater emphasis on what you can do for God, you're going to get on all kinds of work trips. Your joy will leave. It's what God has done for you and for me in the person of Christ. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Scripture reminds us that all things work together for good. And that's encouraging, but it continues by noting, for those who are called according to His purpose. Today, Pastor Xavier takes us on a historical journey through the Word of God and draws out life lessons for us from those who have gone before us. Lessons that can keep us from walking outside of God's perfect and prescribed program for abundant living. You'll want to turn to the book of 1 Chronicles for today's verse-by-verse study. Now in chapter 13, David brings the ark back from Kirhath-Jerim. David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds and with every leader. And David said to all the congregation of Israel, If it seems good to you, and if it is of the Lord our God, let us send out to our brethren everywhere who are left in all the land of Israel, and with them to the priests and the Levites who are in their cities and their common lands, that they may gather together to us, and let us bring the ark of our God back to us, for we have not inquired at it since the days of Saul. Now, the ark had been taken in 2 Samuel chapter 5, chapter 6. Remember when Eli and then his sons went out to war and they took the Ark of the Covenant. The Philistines got all freaked out, but then they took the Ark. His sons were both killed. The news came to him. He was so fat, he sat on his chair, he fell off and broke his neck. The Ark was taken then. The Philistines had it for seven months. God plagued them. Nobody wanted it. They made a pagan offering, put it on a cart, send it back. It stayed at Kirhath-Jerim for 20 years since the Ark of the Covenant had been with the people of God. Now David is seeking to get the Ark. says that all the congregation said that they would do so, for the thing was right in the eyes of all the people, so David gathered all Israel together from Sior in Egypt to as far as the entrance of Hamath to bring the ark of God from Kirhath Jerem. And David and all Israel went up to Bela to Kirhath Jerem, which belonged to Judah to bring up the ark of the covenant of God the Lord, who dwelt between the cherubims where his name is proclaimed. And so they carried the ark of God on a new cart from the house of Abinadab and Uzzah and Aio, well, I don't know how to pronounce that, Aio, drove the card. First mistake David did, he imitated the Philistines. What did he do? He took the ark and carried it on a new cart. Now David's intention was good and right. But the manner by which he attempted to fulfill it was wrong. 
often our intent, our motives are right, but we end up doing it the wrong way, and we blow it. And though we're pure of heart and intent, God cannot honor because we're doing it the wrong way. And that's why it's important that you and I be grounded in the Word of God so that whatever we do, we know that we're doing all according to Scripture. Because my motive may be right, but if the way I do it is not according to Scripture, God cannot and will not honor it. David should have known better. I think God wants us to be contemporary. I think that God wants us to use wisdom, and I think God wants us to be flexible. But we have to be careful that we're not doing things just to imitate the world or to be like the world, to attract people to the church. God forbid that we should do certain things just to imitate the world to attract people. Here David was imitating the worldly ways. He was letting the world set the agenda instead of letting God set the agenda. Back in Numbers 4.15, it tells us how the ark was to be carried by the Levites on poles, on their shoulders. What are you doing, David? Now, David's intention was good and right, but the manner by which he attempted to fulfill it was wrong. Often, our intent, our motives are right, but we end up doing it the wrong way. And we blow it. And though we're pure of heart and intent, God cannot honor because we're doing it the wrong way. And that's why it's important that you and I be grounded in the Word of God so that whatever we do, we know that we're doing all according to Scripture. Because my motive may be right, but if the way I do it is not according to Scripture, God cannot and will not honor it. David should have known better. So then David and all of Israel played music before God in all their might with singing on harps and string instruments and tambourines on cymbals and with trumpets. And when they came to Jedon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hands to hold the ark for the oxen stumbled and they hit a ditch. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah and he struck him because he put his hand to the ark and he died there before the Lord. And David became angry because the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. Therefore, the place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. Outburst against Uzzah. David was angry against God. David could not Understand, Lord, here I'm trying to do something right for you. It's been 20 years. I want to bring it into the city of Jerusalem. And what are you doing? Uzzah was only trying to stop it from falling. But David began doing it wrong. It wasn't God's fault. It was David's fault. How often we do things not according to what God's word says, and then we get in trouble and we have consequences, and we say, God, what are you doing? And it's our own fault because we have deviated from the revealed Word of God. We have the choice to choose, but we do not have the choice to escape the consequences.
And we must learn from David's mistakes. We must learn from the men and women of the Bible, lest we come to the very same place. He was angry at first, but then verse 12 says, And David was afraid of God that day, saying, How can I bring the ark of God to me? And David would not move the ark with him into the city of David, but he took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, and the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house for three months. And the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom in all that he had. In Samuel, it tells us that when David heard the record that, you know, God was blessing, he said, well, let's go get it. <laughs> but he returned to get it, but not before looking up the word of God, how to carry it. <laughs> he should have done that in the first place. Now, sometimes we do that. We act, and then we get in trouble. And we say, oh, what is the word? You know, you look in the word before you act. Don't do it backwards. You do it backwards, it's not going to erase what's happened. God is there to forgive you, but God will not erase what's happened. It will be there. Now, in chapter 14, it says, Now Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David and cedar trees and masons and carpenters to build him a house. Remember, now David is established at Jerusalem. The record of Samuel tells us that after David had conquered his enemies, he did this. Now, the Chronicles doesn't give us that emphasis. He just tells us about uh, David beginning to build him a house. It says, And David perceived that the Lord had established him as king over Israel, for his kingdom was highly exalted because his people Israel. Then David took more wives in Jerusalem, and David begot more sons and daughters. And these are the names of his children whom he had in Jerusalem. And you can read those also and uh, have some fun. One of David's downfalls, women. David was a tremendous man of God, but he was a terrible father. And he had some problems being a husband also. It's tragic that we can be such godly men before the people, for the people, for the glory of God, and it's legitimate, it's not an act, and that we can be not as good as husbands, wives, fathers or mothers they or literally took his life but it was after the order of God to remove him he died for his unfaithfulness which he had committed against the Lord what was that he did not wipe out the enemy of God he should have wiped out the Amalekites he saved the king the best of the spoil Samuel says what is the bleeding of the sheep that I hear in my ear did not God tell you to wipe everything out? Oh, I did. Bless the Lord. Compromise. So Samuel said, You have done wickedly and wrong, for God has found another man after his own heart. And the kingdom is going to be taken from you. Disobedience is better to obey than to sacrifice than to hearken to the fatter rams, for the sin of rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. Heavy words. Secondly, because he did not keep the words of the Lord, also, he consulted mediums for guidance or familiar spirits. He went to the witch of Endor after God would not speak to him, and he sought to find out what was going to happen. He called up the spirit of Samuel, and there he told him that the next day he and his sons would be with him. But he did not inquire of the Lord, therefore he killed him and turned the kingdom over to David and the son of Jesse. Here it is, what I mean about Chronicles, through God's perspective. 
Saul thought he killed himself. Here, God says, and God killed him and turned the kingdom over to David, the son of Jesse. You see how different it is through God's eyes? We say, yeah, but I did this, and, and you know, when I preached, and, and hundreds came, and I did this, and who? <laughs> and God says, and I used John to bring hundreds. It all depends what perspective we take. Many lessons we have to learn from Saul and from the men of the Bible. Because look at He inquired again of God, and God said to him, You shall not go up after them. Good thing he asked, huh? How often God has worked in our life and in the past in a certain way, or we come across a situation that we have been through before, and we've got it all wired. You know, the Lord told me to do it this way. He opened these doors. So therefore, I don't have to seek the Lord anymore for this decision because I've been this way before. Careful. Careful. God may want to do it differently this time. And so you better depend on the Lord, regardless of your experience, regardless of how often you have been through that very same place. He says, circle around them, come up in front of the mulberry trees, and it shall be when you hear the sound of the marching on the tops of the mulberry trees, then you shall go out to battle, for God has gone out before you to strike the camp of the Philistines. So David did as God commanded him. They drove back the army of the Philistines from Gibeon as far as Gezer. Then the fame of David went out into all the lands, and the Lord brought the fear of him upon all nations. And so we see again, it's really um, Chronicles puts the emphasis and the focus upon God doing the work, not man. And that's the emphasis always for the believer, what God has done for us in Christ, not what we can do for God. What God desires to do in us and through us, not what we can do for God. Whenever you start putting a greater emphasis on what you can do for God, you're going to get on all kinds of work trips. You're going to become legalistic. You'll become all bound up. Your joy will leave. It's what God has done for you and for me in the person of Christ. Now, chapter 15, the ark is brought to Jerusalem. It says, David built horse houses for himself in the city of David, and he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. Then David said, No one may carry the ark of God but the Levites, for the Lord has chosen them to carry the ark of God to minister before him forever. So David gathered all of Israel together to Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord in the place where it should go and to prepare it. And so David assembled the children of Aaron, the Levites in verse 4, verse 5, the Kohathites, verse 6, Merai, 7, Gershom, different family tribes of the Levites. And then in verse 12 it says, Then he said to them, You are the heads of the father's house of Levites. Sanctify yourself, you and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord, God of Israel, to the place I have prepared for it. And so now David has sought God's word. Um, he knows how to bring it back, what he's supposed to do, and, uh, and God doesn't wipe anybody out. And uh, it's always the best way, uh, if we're going to receive the full benefit and honor God, that we go just by what the Word of God says. In verse 16, David spoke to the leaders and the Levites to appoint their brethren to the singers with string instrument, harp, cymbal, so on and so forth, 
The Levites in verse 17 appointed uh, Haman, the son of Joel, Asaph, and the sons of Merai. And you can read the rest of those names uh, who were appointed for the duty. And in verse 25, So David, the elders of Israel, and the captains over thousands went to bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord from the house of Obadiah with joy. Not with fear, but with joy. Why? Because they knew what God required. And when we know what God requires and we walk in obedience, man, we've got peace, we've got joy. But when we're not walking in that, there is no peace, there is no joy. We're looking around, looking over our shoulder, we feel guilty, we feel like, you know, God doesn't hear us or whatever it is. What a difference between this time and the one before that. Verse 26 says, And so it was when God helped the Levites who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord that they offered seven bulls and seven rams. Now we don't get the detail here that we have um, in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 12 through 19, where David offered every six paces sacrifice to the Lord. Uh, David's uh, treasure was God, and therefore David's heart was with his treasure. He wanted to bring the ark of God into the city of David. David loved the Lord. In spite of his faults and his weaknesses and all that we see, David is said to be a man after God's own heart. And I pray that each of us can love the Lord the way David did. And I pray that each of us can learn from the faults and the weaknesses of David lest we come to the very same place. I think that... The sin of David that is recorded for us in Scripture has two great lessons. Number one, that it's a warning to all of us. And second of all, it's a reminder of God's grace and loving kindness. And we should learn both lessons. And David was never the same. But David had a very special place in the heart of God. And God had a very special place in the heart of David. Verse 27, David was clothed with a robe of fine linen, the priestly robe, as were all the Levites who bore the ark and the singers, and uh, Shemaniah, the music master, with the singers. David also wore a linen ephod. Thus all Israel brought up the ark of the covenant of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the horn and the trumpets and with the cymbals and making music with string instruments and harps. And it happened as the ark of the covenant of the Lord came to the city of David that Michelle, the daughter of Saul, looking through a window, saw King David whirling and playing music, and she despised him in her heart. We don't get the full record here as we do in Samuel, but um, remember that Saul said, you know, I want to get to David, so I'll give him Michelle. <laughs> she must have been quite a gal. It tells us that David from that day on had nothing to do with her sexually because she remained childless. That's the implication. A wife can make you or break you in the Lord or in the world. But in the world, you just cut them loose. <laughs> and the Lord is not that easy. A woman is a helpmate for the man. God said it's not good the man should be alone, but I will make a help me for him. I thank God for my wife. Uh, I think of the years that we've been together um, with our kids, through ministry, through many things. 
And um, she's a great asset to me. She's a great help to me. And um, she is in part responsible for all that goes on here because she supports me 100%. She, uh, she realizes what God has called me to do. And she doesn't put great demands upon me. And at the same time, she reminds me of the things that I need to do when I become slothful. <laughs> and it's a neat relationship we have. But if a woman is not one with her husband in the Lord, or the husband with the wife, it's a tragic situation. It will ruin your relationship with the Lord. It will ruin your ability to function in the Lord. And... Michelle was kind of a thorn in David's side. Here he was all excited, joyous, what God had done in bringing the Ark of the Covenant. David was out there with the people. He was eating with them. As we're going to read, he gave them all a portion to eat and everything. And yet, as he comes in, all full of joy, she said, well, wasn't that nice? You're out there showing your nakedness before the people. Put him on a big bummer. <laughs> and I feel bad for the men that are called of God to be used of God. And when they come home, all they have is opposition from their wives because they're being used of God. Now, again, we cannot be extreme. We have to make sure that the husband is being a husband and that he's taking care of his home. That means he takes care of the chores that he has to, the leaky faucets, he paints the house, he mows the lawn, he beats the dog, all the regular stuff. Because I don't believe God calls you to ministry and to be irresponsible at home. Now, a lot of men do use that. And they say, well, hey, God's called me. You know, I can't do all this stuff. No, wait a minute. God's not the author of confusion. He first called you to be a husband because those are the qualifications for service if you can run your home right. And so it's very important. But um, you young guys, you're not married. Don't just pray for a wife, man. Pray for a godly wife. One that's going to be an asset to you. One that's going to edify you and pray for you. But um, just by way of exhortation, ending on that note, if you're not married, really take serious your relationship with a young man or a young woman. Make sure it's of God. Make sure it's pure. Make sure it's in continued good communication and honesty and integrity. And I'll tell you what, even if you're together for years and you get up to the point of one day before your marriage if you have been upright with each other and you just say hey this is not for me at the very last day then you should both jump up and down and rejoice and you have no regrets because your physical relationship has been upright your communication has been upfront and if you're not positive man that's the best thing it's a lot better than finding out you made a mistake afterwards and so that's important so seek the Lord. Don't seek a wife or a husband. <laughs> and as you seek the Lord, pray that He bring that person to you and that it's the right one, the one that's going to complete you and help you.
Pastor Xavier Reese with decision-making simple truths based upon the will and Word of God. Now today's message carries the title, 1 Chronicles chapters 11-15, through 15, and is available on CD for just $4. And by the way, we'll be able to include everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. Now that title to ask for once again is 1 Chronicles chapters 11-15, through 15, or you can simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com